This evening's reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 to 20. And this can be found on page 1148. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 to 20. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Good evening, everyone. Uh, please, please do keep... Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 open. We'll, we'll be working through it as we go. Uh, but let me, let me pray again as we continue looking at God's Word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you once again that you are a God who speaks to us. Uh, we thank you for speaking to us already as we've read your Word. We pray that as we continue looking at it now, you will continue to speak to us. Please open our eyes and ears, our hearts and minds to understand and believe and obey you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today's passage is very directly about the issue of sex. That's, that's pretty obvious from the reading. And uh, our, our title for today is Resurrection and Sex. And you'll, you'll see why that title's been picked as we go through. Now, this, this issue of sex is something that societies are often quite confused about. Um, that, was, that was true in the ancient world. Um, they, had, they had temples with prostitutes. You sort of see an allusion to that in the passage. Uh, many of those prostitutes were slaves. That was part of the people trafficking of their day. But it wasn't just that. There were lots of, there were lots of affairs, lots of uh, 
sexual partners, casual sex, all kinds of, all kinds of confusion back in their world. Uh, the ancient world was known for not really having many boundaries or guidelines about sex. Now, in our world, it's not, it's not the same as their world, but it, it's similar in various ways. Um, you know, people trafficking is still an issue today. It would be brothels rather than temples, but the, the issue is still there. Um, people having lots of affairs, lots of sexual partners, lots of casual sex. There being confusion about whether there should be any boundaries or guidelines about sex. Those, those things are, are kind of similar between their world and ours. Um, so, Bef- even before we go any further, before we get into the details of the passage, I want us to be clear from the start that sex is a good gift from God to us. It's part of his creation. Uh, it's intended to be a powerful way of, of two people connecting for life within marriage. It's, it's a good thing. It's part of God's design for us. And it's important we don't lose sight of that, that um, that that sex is a good gift from God. But like like any powerful thing, you need to know how to use it well. Um, You know, there's there's lots of examples of that. Fire. Uh, If you use fire well, it heats your house. If you use it badly, it could burn down your house. Our neighbor's house burnt down a few years ago. Uh, I'm painfully aware of that. When, when I look at the electrics over in Nigeria. You know, if it goes wrong, it can be very bad. When it goes right, it's great. Um, but even smaller things, you know, if you're using a chef's knife, if you use it right, you get a good dinner. If you use it badly, you get a, you get a trip to hospital. Um, driving a car, if you use it well, you get to your destination. If you use it badly, you might get a trip to hospital, you might kill yourself, you might kill someone else. Powerful things are like that. When you use them well, it's great. When you use them badly, it's it's particularly bad. And sex is a powerful thing. That's why we need to know how to use it well, how to use it right. Um, But like I say, today's world, like the ancient world, there's lots of confusion. And so often people, people get confused. They make a mess of things when it comes to sex. And they get hurt. Um, maybe they can't always put their finger on exactly why the hurt has happened. But when you're hurt, you know it has happened. You know that, that, that there's pain there. Um, one aspect, one aspect of, of some of the work I've been doing in Nigeria, I'm teaching at a Bible college there, but there's also a fair bit of, of counseling and and discipleship involved with some of the students. And this issue of getting mixed up to do with things about sex is, is as common there as it is here. Um, and I knew before, before coming here, I knew I was going to be speaking on this passage. Uh, so I asked one of the students if he'd be willing to be briefly interviewed and, and record that. Now, I'm... Uh, I'm hoping the technology is going to work for me in just a second, because so, we're going to hear maybe a, a, a little bit of an interview with one of the one of the students. Now, 
Um, before we get into it, let me mention, uh, he briefly mentions the fact of having been abused when he was a child. He doesn't go into details, he just mentions the sort of the age that he was when that happened. I wanted to let you know in advance that he'll say that just in, you know, I don't want it to, to suddenly trigger unpleasant memories for anyone. Uh, but he doesn't go into details, he just mentions the fact that that happened. Uh, this guy, his name is Zemo, uh, well, Abraham Zemo Jude, but Zemo is what, what everybody calls him. Um, so we're going we're gonna to listen to that. Um, on a lighter note, you'll see that I'm wearing a Nigerian hat in the video. Uh, that's because otherwise the light shining off the very thin hair, it, it's just bad. So the, the hat kind of reduces that. So let's, let's see if we can do the video. Uh, there's, there's a bit more to the interview that we'll, we'll come back to later. Um, but I, as we get into the passage, I wanted us to have a, a particular concrete example, a story in mind. Uh, you know, Zemo's experience of getting sucked into all kinds of problems to do with sex and then not really knowing how to get out of it and... The, the way that it was affecting his relationship with God and, and creating distance. Um, 
Now, today's passage, 1 Corinthians 6, it's going to speak into situations like Zemo's. Um, And as we go through this, I'm going to pick out a little phrase from right at the end of the the chapter to to guide us as we go. Um, Right there at the end of verse 19, you're not your own. You see that phrase? Um, Let me... Let me use it first with verses 12 to 14. Uh, so that the heading I'm going to put here is, you're not your own, God will raise you. Um, let me read the verses again. Keep an eye out for the, the resurrection thing, but there's, there's other stuff going on in the, in the verses too. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Um, you see what Paul's, Paul's doing there in the first couple of verses? He's quoting a couple of bad proverbs or slogans, maybe, slogans, that the Corinthians are using. And he's, he's showing why they don't quite work. Um, I have the right to do anything. Well, yes, but that's not, the, that's not the only question that's worth asking. Um, as well as asking whether you have the right to do something, you can ask, is it, is it a good thing to do? Um, let, me give you, let me give you a different type of example, a silly, trivial example. I, I came across a world record this week, the world record for sitting in a bath full of baked beans is 100 hours. That's like more than four days, isn't it? Yeah, more than four days. I, I doubt anybody here will want to break that record. But, you know, suppose, suppose you wanted to sit in a bath of baked beans for 50 hours. Uh, do you have the right to do that? Well, I suppose so. Um, but, you know, is it, is it a good thing to do? Is it sensible? Is, it, is that a wise use of your time? It's, it's not obvious that it is. You know, there's, there's more questions to ask in the world than, is it right? You can ask, is it beneficial? Is it good? And that's what Paul's pushing the Corinthians to ask. Um, he also asks them, you know, uh, end of verse 12, will it master you? He doesn't want to be mastered by anything. Uh, again, this week I was looking at iPlayer. Um, uh, I was looking at Peaky Blinders, and I counted up that there's 36 hours of Peaky Blinders. Now, you could, you could, you could sit down and do a binge watch of that. Um, that would take quite a while. But then I noticed that Top Gear on iPlayer has over 200 hours. Suppose somebody was, was, was watching Top Gear episode after episode after episode. That's starting to feel like they're a bit addicted to it. They're mastered by it. You don't want to be you don't want to be mastered by 
by something like that. That's a silly one. Um, but these issues around sex and sexual morality, they're, they're, they're bigger and more powerful. Paul's wanting us to ask the question, is the way that we're using our bodies, the way that we're using our sexuality, is it good? Um, the way that we're using our bodies, the way that we're using our sexuality, are we being mastered by something that we shouldn't be mastered by? Are we becoming addicted to something? Um, those, are, those are key and important questions. And if we're given the wrong answers to them, it shows us, at the very least, it shows us something's off track and we need to, to correct course in some way. Um, there's, a, there's a second little slogan that they quote here in verse 13. Food for the stomach, and stomach for the food, but God will destroy them both. Um, that sounds like the, the Corinthians are denying the, the value or the importance of our bodies. You know, food goes into your body, it comes out, it's gone, it doesn't, it doesn't have eternal significance. And it sounds like they're, they're taking that idea and applying it to the body as a whole and then saying, well, what you do with your body, it doesn't really matter uh, because eventually it'll, it'll be gone and that's the end of it. And, and Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Christian spirituality is not like that. Uh, you know, sometimes you see the cartoons with heaven and floaty clouds and harps and things, very disembodied. That's, that's not the Bible's picture of what happens after we die. Our hope is not floaty clouds. Our hope is a new heaven and a new earth. Our hope is resurrection. Jesus died and was raised to life. We've been remembering that at Easter. Was raised to life physically, to new life, and our hope is that if we trust in him, we don't have to fear death because we will be raised as well. But that means, that means, that means bodies are important to God. He made them. He cares what we do. Uh, our body isn't just for now and then forgotten and gone and we have an eternity of, of, of floatiness. Um, our, our eternity will be solid and physical and real. And that means God cares about what we do with our bodies. These things do matter. Um, so, you're not your own. One way we see that is God will raise us. We're not in control of that. God's in control of it, and we will be raised. So we need to think carefully and act well in what we do with our bodies. That's the first thing. Next thing, second thing, um, verses 15 to 17. Let me read those again. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Uh, the, the heading I'm given for this is, you're not your own, you're one with Christ. 
You're not your own. You're one with Christ. Um, uh, and Paul gives a, a, a picture, an analogy here to, to bring the point home about being members of Christ. Um, that word members, I guess in modern English, we've got used to members. You know, you can be a member of a club, and that's just a, a person who comes along and is part of it. Um, the word here for member, it's really like body part, you know, like a limb or an organ or a finger or an ear. And the, the word for taking is quite a strong one. So I might be over-translating ever so slightly to say this, but it's only ever so slightly. You know, it's like Paul's giving you a picture of, of you know, your ear is a member of your body. Um, is, a, is a part of your body, you wouldn't kind of snap your ear off and, and give it to somebody else and superglue it to their head. You know, that would be, that would be grim. You wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't take your finger and snap it off and, and give it to somebody else. You wouldn't do that with your arm. It, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. You just wouldn't do that. That's the, the sort of image Paul is giving us here for thinking about the fact that we are united to Christ if we've come to him, if we've trusted him, we've been made a, a part of his body. That's a, a strong and close integration, membership. It's, it's, you're, you're joined to something firmly. And then over on the other side, Paul is saying having, having sex... Well, that's also meant to be a joining, joining of two people together for life. It's meant to be there in marriage. But if you're, if you're doing it in the wrong way, his example is with prostitutes, maybe the temple thing, but any, any sort of wrong thing like that, you're, you're, you're being pulled in two directions that just don't go together. You know, you've got to choose one or the other Otherwise, you're going to be living in a, in, a, in a really uncomfortable tension. And indeed, you know, Zemo in the interview, he was, he was describing that. He was trying to be a Christian, and he was trying to live a, a fairly kind of sexually loose life. And it was tearing him apart. And you can't go on like that indefinitely. You'll end up one way or the other. Because the, the, the tension is too great to live with. Um, you're not your own. You're one with Christ. If you're choosing that direction, you, you need to know how to manage stuff to do with sex so that you're not creating other connections that shouldn't be there. All right. Third thing, verses 18 to 20, I'm going to pick out the last bit to, to summarize this. You, you, you're not your own, you were bought at a price, so honor God with your bodies. Let me read the whole thing from verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought 
at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Um, that, that paragraph, it, it starts with that very clear instruction, flee from sexual immorality, flee. Um, There's all sorts of temptations out there. Some of them are strong. And with strong temptations, just sort of, just disapproving of it isn't really enough. Um, that's why Paul's telling us to flee. Like, flee strong. Um, Suppose, uh, suppose you were at home, suppose you were sitting in, the, in an armchair having your favorite drink, maybe a cup of tea or something else. You're sitting there. And then you notice on the floor in front of you, let's say you notice a fly or a blue bottle. You might not like that. If it was a wasp, you might not like that even more. You might, you might try and do something about it. Um... Uh, we have some friends from Nigeria who a situation like this happened to them and it wasn't a fly and it wasn't a wasp it was a cobra if there's a fly there you can wave it away or you can ignore it it doesn't really matter if there's a wasp you can do the same thing if it's a cobra what will you do? the chances are you will flee because that's a serious one. That's, that's what you do with bad, bad stuff. You flee from it. Um, I think, you know, so sometimes we fall into sexual sin because we don't take it seriously enough. We, we treat it more like the blue bottle or the wasp, maybe. A, a, a danger, but it's, you know, it's manageable. And we don't flee from it. Um, now, you know, what that looks like will vary from, from situation to situation. But let me, let me give one example to get us thinking about it. Um, suppose we're talking about pornography. Now, if that's, if that's something you disapprove of, then you might try and avoid it. You might turn it off when it... When it pops up or, 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 you know, try and look the other way. Um, but if you know it's a real danger for you and you're trying to flee from it, you'll take stronger action. Um, again, that'll vary from person to person. It might involve setting up, getting help setting up better filters. It might involve um, not using the internet or IT in, in in private spaces where nobody else can see you. It might involve being accountable to someone. It might even involve giving yourself a break from, from devices for a time on, until you get things into a better shape. If you're wanting to flee from pornography, you'll take stronger action than if you're just disapproving of it. One of the reasons we often fall into, into sexual temptation is we don't treat it seriously enough. Um, 
Paul goes on to say, you know, he, he adds to this, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. All sin is serious, but sexual sin seems to have a way of kind of getting its hooks deeper into people. Um, all sin is serious, but sexual sin can, can be harder to get out of once you're in it. Not impossible, but harder. And that's why it's important to take it seriously. Like, that's why Paul's giving the, the, the advice to flee from it. Um, he then gives another quick, uh, another quick reason in verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? If we're trusting in Christ, then God comes and makes his home within us. His, he sends his spirit to dwell in us. And, and because God's Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, we are to be holy, not immoral. That's another reason why fleeing matters. Otherwise, we're, you know, we're being dwelt in by God's Holy Spirit we're being involved in something that's not holy, and it's, it's like we're trying to force a connection between God's Holy Spirit and unholiness. And it's, it's just, it doesn't make sense. It's not right. It's, it's not something we should be doing. So that's why Paul finishes this bit by saying, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. So honor God with your bodies. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. You know, Easter, we're remembering that price that was paid to, uh, to buy us back, to free us from sin. Jesus himself was willing to, to, to give up everything, to give up himself, to die, so that we might be freed from sin. That gives us a strong reason to avoid sin. It also gives us a strong reason to take heart. Um, you know, no matter, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, Jesus' death is big enough to sort it out. Jesus', Jesus, death, Jesus death has paid the price. No matter how bad things are, God loves you dearly, so much, he was willing to send his own son to go through all that, to, to rescue you, to rescue all of us. You're not your own, you were bought with a price, so honor God with your bodies. You know, I said at the start, sex... God's intention for sex is that it's for marriage, it's to connect you and your spouse for life. Followers of Jesus are to flee from sex outside of marriage because that's not what it's for. Um, we're to, to honor sex within marriage or better yet, to honor God by, by keeping sex to be within marriage. Because the price has been paid, a new way forward is possible. Jesus can give us a new, a new start. 
And because that price has been paid, a new way forward for us is essential. Otherwise, we're not taking Jesus' death and resurrection seriously. Um, what I'd like to do now is return to here the last two or three minutes with, with Zemo um, before giving a couple of suggestions about how to go forward on these issues. I want us to hear what happened with him and uh, what was helpful for him in going forwards, and then, then we'll come back and think about that slightly more. So let's, let's have this. So as you started Bible college, this was, this was still a big problem for you. Um, you only really started dealing with it during one of the discipleship courses that you were doing. What made you decide to speak out and ask for help? Okay, I decided to speak out because I really wanted help. I really wanted to get out of that way of life. The course helped me see the way that sin holds me back or sin is holding me back. And the way shame holds me back. And I wanted to change from that time. Alright, thank you. Um, uh, let me ask this next question. It's maybe a slightly silly, slightly silly question, but let me ask it anyway. Was it difficult? Um, as, we, as we think about these things, as we think about what the Bible's saying to us about, uh, about how confused our world can be with sex, about, 
about what God's design for sex is. Um, there's, there's lots of different ways we might respond to that. Um, let, me, let me briefly pick out four or five. Um, you know, it might, be, it might be that we feel dismissive of that. We, we, we think it's not, it doesn't make sense or it's not right. Now, if you don't know Jesus, then that's, that's understandable. Um, but I want to say to you, there is wisdom here if you can see it. And if you can't see it yet, I want to encourage you to keep looking. On the other hand, if you're, if you're feeling dismissive and you're saying you are a Christian, that you do know Christ, um, I, th- I think I want to say something a bit firmer and harder to that and say, you're not being serious. If you're listening to what God is saying to us in his word, what Jesus is saying to us in his word, and you're dismissing it, 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 just, it doesn't make sense to say you're following Jesus and dismissing him. That doesn't go together. Uh, I'd want to encourage you to think again if you're thinking that way. Um, a, second, a second response, also not a great one, a second response would be to be, to be self-satisfied, to think this is not my problem and, um, and to, to be pleased with yourself about it. If you were feeling that way, I, I guess, you know, if, um, if you haven't fallen into significant sexual sin, I guess that's a thing to be glad about, yes. Um, I'd still want to say, be careful, pride comes before a fall. Um, if you think you're immune to these things, you're more likely to land yourself in trouble. I'd also say, if you're looking down on other people, you're a long way from how Jesus looks at things. That's not been his approach. A more positive, a third way of responding to this, a more positive way might be to be determined to keep going in the right direction. Um, If that's true of you, I want to encourage you and say, keep at it. Uh, Keep going, keep trusting and depending on Jesus, and keep fleeing sin. if you've done well so far, that's great. Again, pride comes before a fall. Don't let that sneak in. Um, but a, a fourth way that people might respond might be more like Zemo was talking about when he felt he, he was talking about not being worthy, but sort of he was getting close to a kind of self-loathing situation. Um, if you're feeling like that, if you're feeling like that, I want to say you're half right in that it's, it, it's right to, to hate sin. It's, it's right to want to turn away from it. That bit is right. But God does not loathe you. Jesus does not loathe you. God loves us. God loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves you dearly and paid a tremendous price in order to win you back to himself. He paid that price even knowing all the sins that all of us are involved in. Jesus knows the worst about us and he still welcomes us to himself if we'll come to him and if we'll trust him. 
He bought you at a price, and he wants you to be able to honor him. That, that way forward is there. Um, a, a fifth way some people might be responding to thinking about these things is a bit like, again, a bit like Zemo, feeling ready to, to, to change direction, feeling ready to do something different about how things are. Um, if that's how you're feeling, I'd want to encourage you to strike while the iron is hot and do something about it today. Um, and let me give one very easy, easy? One very clear, if not easy, one very clear thing you could do. Like Zemo, choose someone to talk to. Um, these, all sorts of sin, it's, it's harder to deal with it on your own. Sin loves darkness. It grows really well in secret. If you ask somebody for help, it doesn't make the sin go away. It doesn't make the temptation go away. But it does make the temptation slightly less strong. And it does encourage you a little bit. So long as you pick somebody sensible. Um, uh, you know, if you know someone who, as soon as they hear a story from someone, they've told it to 10 other people, that might not be the person to choose. You know, use some wisdom. Um, but I want to say, have you got a friend that you, can, that you can talk to and ask for help? If you're going in the right direction, it's still good to do that because uh, it'll help you keep going. And a wise friend might be able to, to point ways out that, you could, that would help you flee from temptation. If you're going in the wrong direction and you know you need to change, talking to somebody will help you do that. Um, now, I'm going to ask the, the, the IT guys to put my contact details on the screen. Um, if you want to talk to me, I'm around for the next couple of weeks. Uh, that's a disadvantage and an advantage. I'm, I'm, around f I'm only around for a couple of weeks, so uh, we'd have to chat soon and then, and then I'll be away. Some people would prefer to chat to somebody who will be around longer. If you've got someone like that, that's great. Other people might chat, prefer to chat to someone who will be going away. <laughs> um, and if that's the case, um, so my, my phone situation is slightly complicated. WhatsApp is still connected to my Nigerian number, but for texts and phone calls, it, it would be better to phone the UK number that I have, but WhatsApp doesn't work on that one. Um, you know, let me, let me encourage you to talk to somebody. Make sure you've got someone to talk to, whether you're doing this well or whether it, whether it needs change. If you're going in the right direction, it's good to have somebody to encourage you in that. If you're going in the wrong direction, it's good to have somebody to help you to, to change. Um, uh, if you want to talk to me, I'd encourage you, just send a quick text. Four words would do. I'd like to chat. That would do. Um, let me encourage you to do that before the service finishes. Uh, it wouldn't take long to send text. I don't normally encourage people to text during church, but this is a special, spe special exemption. Right? Um, uh, If you know this is a problem, don't let it drift. Let me pray and ask God to, to, uh, to help us with these things. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you once again that you are Lord and God. We thank you that you know all things. We thank you that you, um, that you know all about us. You know when we're doing well, or you know when we're doing badly. And we thank you that you love us anyway, and that whatever our condition or state, you call us to yourself, you call us to trust in Jesus. Father, uh, I pray for each one of us in this room that you will continue to draw us closer to yourself. If we're doing well in regard to sexual temptation, I pray that you'll help us keep doing well. If we know that we need to change, I pray you'll help us to, uh, to put that change into practice. Uh, in particular, I pray that you'll help, you'll help anyone in that situation to reach out for help today. We thank you again that we are not our own, but that you have bought us. You have paid the price to buy us. And so we pray that you will help us to honor you with our bodies. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Rick, thank you so much. That was so helpful, so practical, and yeah, those three years were too long, Rick. Uh, hope, hopefully you'll be back with us again soon to, to teach us from God's Word, and um, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to respond now, and this song helps us to remember that to put all this stuff into practice, we can't do it in our, our, our own strength.